Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The action, man. 27-8. and eight. Huge weekend in NYC, <laughs> man. Doesn't get bigger. Right, that was a... It was a weird fucking weekend, honestly. It was a very weird weekend. I'm still trying to process it. Today's episode of the Schmo Zone is brought to you by Manscaped. And I know David is a proud supporter and loves using Manscaped because our bathroom literally is full of Manscaped products. And why don't you tell the audience why you love it so much? It's like a one-stop shop for all of my daily needs. I'm talking about this Lawnmower 4.0. This is my favorite thing right here. The light on there too. Now, as you know, you always got to trim, right, Helen? Yeah. <laughs> and this thing, I've never bled, never cut myself shaving because of it. Loved using their lawnmower 4.0, the weed whacker for the nose hairs, the air hairs. Yeah. Very, very clean. I know it's November, no shave schmovember, but uh, we'll get to be using these at the end of the month or I guess the beginning of December. Yeah, well, because I was going to say you using the weed whacker because we all know you're a pretty hairy man and your nose hairs, you know, get pretty long. But not only that, though. Why are you lying about my nose hairs? It's my <laughs> chest hairs that get long. Let's be real here. Well, that too. And never mind. But <laughs> okay. not only are those products good, but I do know that Manscaped recently came out with a two-in-one shampoo and conditioner, right? That's right. Smells good, too. They got their body wash as well, but also, too, I mean, they have a cologne. They have their ball wash, which is great, their crop cleanser, all these different products that can fulfill your needs for smelling great in those most intimate private areas. Check them out and go use the promo code SHMO to get 20% off. Manscaped.com. Promo code SHMO, 20% off. Men, you won't regret it. It's that one-stop shop, and trust me, your woman will thank you. Finally, the USC debut, MSG, you get the job done. Biggest stage. First round knockout. USC 268. In three weeks, I went from thinking, like, man, like, you know, maybe this is the end of it. I'm just going to try to bang out, like, 10 fights in a year and be done with it, to knocking out a guy who was, like, on the cusp of being ranked in a first round knockout Madison Square Garden, a fight they never said I was going to win. Now I'm like, shit, what do I do? Like, all right, well, what comes next? So. It's crazy, too, because Phil Haas, his last two fights, uh, it was against Amalvov, who just beat the number 11th ranked guy, Edmund Shabazian. Oh, yeah. He destroyed yeah. Edmund. And, yeah. I, I mean, there. And then Kyle Dawkins, too, who had the no contest yeah, with Kevin Holland. Yeah. So he's been fighting kind of the cream of crop in the middleweight division. You get this guy, and... You take him out at the end of the first round. 
Yeah, man, it sucks to be him. <laughs> like, I mean, I've been doing this for a long time. We got like what, like thirty-six fights now. His first UFC fight, but I mean, I've been doing this for. I've been a professional for ten years now. Like, I've been around for a long time, so. It's just weird, though, because, like, man, I'm, like, that kind of puts a weird tar- – you're in a weird position. Like, what do I do now? Like, I can't just go fight anybody. So now I'm, like, well, do I, like, try to work up at the 85 rankings? Do I go to 70? What do I do? So now we're just kind of, like, all right, well, this is uh, – we were excited for the fight, but we never gave any thought to, like, what comes next. And now that we're here, we're, like, oh. Yeah, but I heard you in the post-fight press conference. You were even throwing out December. Yeah, I'm I'm told I'm down. Like if they can give me a fight December, January, I am down. Like I I'm thirty four, man. I'm not a young kid in this sport. So I train seven days a week, like I don't, you know, I don't fuck around or whatever. So I'm like I would gladly hop in December. I don't gotta take any time off. I'm trying to make as much money as possible in the time frame I have left. Because I'm not going to have a 10-year career. You know, I'm not going to fight to the end of my 40s. Like, it's just not going to happen. So if I can fight, like, December, January, then maybe again, like, March, I am down for it. Like, I'm just I'm just trying to bang them out. You said a few weeks before the fight you were contemplating retirement. Yeah, I was, it's funny, man. Like, right before I got the initial call, I was actually talking to Eric Nipsick over at Extreme. I'm like, you know, like, I'm just reached that point to where I'm – you don't think it's going to happen anymore. So we're just like, you know, he's, he's telling me to, to stay in it. But I'm like, I've heard that for years, like stay in it, stay in it. You have your ups and downs. You do all the right stuff and you don't get, you don't get your shots. So I'm just like, you know, maybe I'll just bang out 10 fights this year. I had four fights before that. I was like, I'll try to get 10 fights this year. If I get signed, cool. If not, like, you know, I'll be happy making, going 10 and 0 for a year and then you're walking away from it. So you reach that point, you're just like, you know, like I just, Fighters have shelf lives, man. I'm 34. I've been doing this for a long time. Like, you don't get any younger doing this. It takes years off of you. And you don't want to be one of those guys who hangs around too long. And you, you know, we, we, we all see it. Like, guys refuse to give up and they refuse to hang it up when they should when their body starts slowing down. And you don't want to be that guy. So you're just like, you know, I'll try to make a bang now when I can. If they sign me, then we'll keep going. If not, got to go find something else to do. So did you retire twice before? I have. I retired once after, after Contenders. 2018 it was God, the was yeah. it was, I think it was 2018 it was the second season the first episode you got the TKO victory in the third round and you didn't get signed hook kick there's like four in UFC uh, existing didn't get signed I signed Greg Hardy instead yeah how'd that work out like yeah they got Greg Hardy and that dude doesn't know the rules so like good for that and they signed someone this season who didn't make weight it's like you know what's funny is everyone on my season on my episode that won who didn't get signed initially had been signed already. And like, they've all gone fought multiple times. I was just the one guy left out. And then you see after like that episode, he starts handing, I think the, one, the episode after that, he handed out like five contracts. And I'm like, what the hell, man? Like yeah. now he good guy missed weight. He gets a contract. I'm just like, what did I do? Like, I was going to ask you, what do you think it was that night going back to it? Like when you've had time to reflect that they didn't sign you. I don't know, man. Like it's, I stopped the guy. Apparently, maybe like I waited too long, but like Kevin Holland decisioned his guy, and he got signed later, before me. So I'm just like, I don't understand. To this day, no one still knows, and we're all just kind of like, it's just your luck, man. Accept it. But on the bright side, though, then you know Madison Square Garden, probably the most anticipated card of the year, two sixty eight, that first round knockout. This is like by far the best card of the year. And yeah. like dude, my special power is like failing forward. So like when things go wrong, at least I end up in like kinda good spots. Like I missed uh contenders but I fell into PFL. 
this time I missed, uh, you know, I missed whatever, uh, the first fight in the Apex. But they're like, oh, yeah, go fight a Madison Square Garden. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, one bucket list thing down. Yeah. UFC fight, two bucket list. And then I knock out a guy in the first round. I'm just like, this could not have happened any better. And let's go back to the circumstances. You were the biggest underdog, three to one underdog, and he landed more strikes and significant strikes against you. 0 for 3 in the takedowns, though, but all it took was the one that mattered the most, man. And the, when he ripped, ripped his body, I mean, you oh, just yeah, saw. Yeah. Yeah. He crumbled a little bit there. It was weird, man. So, like, uh, <laughs> it's the first time in my life going into the fight that I wasn't the big, scary black guy. And, like, he was a big, scary black guy. And I was like, holy shit, is that what that feels like? So we touched gloves, and I was like, he is big. Like, he was not this big yesterday. So it was the first time in my career. I'm like, I may have made a significant like miscalculation in, like, the size of this man. So that fight started, man. He's just, like, hats off to him. Like, you know, he can be a dick about things, but he's a hell of an athlete, man. Like, I realized real quick that, like, I'm not the better athlete here. It's one of those times where I have none of the physical advantages. But uh, I said before, man, like, he, he's an athlete. But I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fighter, man. He's, he's an athlete who fights. I'm a dog who fights. So, you know, this is what I do. I think uh, I'm just a tougher human being than he is. Uh kind of had to weather that storm like he was trying to kill me but luckily for me you know I'm a very durable dude and uh as clean that was the best I've ever seen him look in a fight like he is has off to him his striking caught me off guard I don't think he'd be that clean but he still punches like a wrestler if like that makes sense like you know strikers someone who's grown up like striking like we snap when we punch right like a lot of guys who come from wrestling they tend to load even when it was clean they push they don't snap they push so a lot of it like kind of getting hit on blocking stuff but it's not like that concussive like oh crap i got hit he's just moving me so i decided really quick like look this dude is super strong i can't just stand my ground he's gonna run through me but if he hits me if i just move with it i'm not taking any damage it sucks on like on film to see it like he's like shoving me around like a little kid it sucks but i didn't take any damage front kicks sucked but like the punching was fine so Sucks on video to see you getting shoved around. Like, it looks like you're getting beat up. But I didn't take, like, no, that's fine. I don't care. I didn't take any damage. I'm not hurt, and I still won. So, like, you know, fuck your stats. So what was fight week like for you? Because this is something you've anticipated for such a long time. And to have this fight card, I mean, obviously, with yeah. what's going on in New York and the craziness there, the pandemic, the masks, everything, like, how did fight week feel for you? normal which is weird man I, you know you think everybody talks about the jitters and everything else it just felt normal to me man but like, this is what fight number 35 it's really cool to be there it's cool to, like to be a part of it do the media and stuff but it just felt like every other fight week for me which is kind of a blessing and a curse i guess because like you know you want to get excited and have the experience and it's just cool but at the same time i'm like man this is my job like i'm not I think he thinks I'm, you know, I'm like starstruck, whatever. I'm like, bro, this has been my job for 10 years, day in, day out, no breaks. So, blessing and a curse, man. But like, it was, it was just, it felt normal to me. I felt fine. I didn't feel overwhelmed. I didn't feel like starstruck. I'm just like, it's an, every other fight week I've ever done. So, once you do something for so long, it's kind of, it's just, just going to work, man. Like, how do you feel coming to work every day? You're just like, yeah, I like my job. It's, you know, it's cool. I, I like what I do, but it doesn't freak me out. Like, it's, it's just what we do. So, did all this come about too? Because Duran William or Duran Wynn kind of fell out as an opponent. Yeah, we. I still have no idea what happened to him. They said medical, like he was got pulled out for medical reasons, and that no was his original opponent, Phil Hawes. Yeah, uh, okay. on the car, the Apex card. The Apex it card. Happen. Yeah, it didn't happen, and then you were supposed to fight him, or how did basically how did this all come together? So, 
it was that Thursday before that fight. I get home from sparring. And funny thing, I got rocked that day in sparring, too, which is what sucked. Like, I got cracked in the face. I got seriously rocked. Do we know the, the guy? Does it start with a, an S and rhyme no, with No, it a... actually wasn't. <laughs> okay, yeah, okay. It wasn't Sean Strickland, surprisingly. No. I got caught. I got rocked that day. It's whatever. So I go home, eat a huge dinner, go shower, and uh, I, get, I hop in bed. Someone's pounding on my front door. It's my man. I'm at my door. I'm like, it's my manager. I'm like, what's up? He's like, what do you weigh right now? I'm like, I don't know. Check my weight, 197. I'm like, what's going on? He's like, if we make 185 tomorrow morning, we're in the UFC. And before we even knew how, I've even said, no, I was fighting. I was like, let's do it. Like, we're gonna. Well, we can make 85. It's fine. Like, it's 11 pounds. It sucks with no prep, but you're like, you know, fuck it. This is my chance. And then you're gonna fight in Phil Halls. Uh, it's really funny though. He was actually at one of the gyms I trained at like two weeks before that prior, and that was the one day I didn't spar. So the one day wow. I decided to not go, uh, not train, Phil Halls was there because he sparred Strickland and other people. But I'm like, what a like weird coincidence. So missed him on that one. And then uh, I was like, let's go. So I got up. We went to we cut ten pounds in about three hours. Woke up the next morning, drove to weigh-ins. We go weigh in. Everything's fine. That's the messed up thing. Like, have I got there? And they'd be like, oh, the fight's off. You'd be like, okay. But, like, I weighed in. I did, like, the, I'm, like, off doing medicals. And then they're like, yeah, you're not fighting. And I'm like, okay, that's different. I didn't know you could just say no, but, like, apparently that's a thing. You can just say you don't want to do it. I don't know all the uh, details behind it. No one's ever really said anything. But I guess he just decided he didn't want to take that risk. Which you know, sucks for him. I was already rocked. So, hey, it probably would have been a better... <laughs> So then they moved it to UFC wow. 268 because you had already committed. If you did not cut the weight that night, if you didn't drive yourself to the apex that next morning, you wouldn't have had the opportunity to be at Madison Square Garden. Uh, you know, freaking uh, one of my favorite sayings ever is uh, who dares wins. And, like, you know, it's right. I was like, you're like, oh, it's up a weight class against a guy who's trying to get right, you know, who's just outside the rankings. And I'm like, screw it. Why not? Like, I fought big, I fought bigger dudes before. I've never been the biggest guy in my weight. I've always fought. I came up a long time ago, man. Like now, you got we have, we didn't have contenders. We didn't have like these past. We didn't even have like real management when I first started. So like, I had taken some horrific fights in my day. Like my fifth fight was against Tom Galecchio, and it was like twenty sixth fight. One of my really good buddies now. It's like his twenty sixth fight. My fifth fight. My eighth fight, I fought Force Pets. His retirement fight it was his thirty fourth fight. And I was like, yeah, I'll fight him. I'm like, sure. So I've taken hard fights my entire life. I've taken fights I wasn't supposed to win. It's whatever. Like, why not? And you took a fight with Bilal Muhammad in two thousand fourteen. Yeah. That was that actually wasn't terrible because like I was like, that was more so my fuck up than anything else. Like everything leading up to that fight was god awful, and then just the fight was terrible. That's off the Bilal though. You know, he, he skyrocketed after that, so I take credit for that. Like. Hope he sees that. But yeah, man, I've always I've, I've never been afraid of hard fights. Like it's never been an issue for me. So I was like, why not? Like, what do I have to lose? Like, no, this is what I wanted. What's the worst that can happen? I get knocked out. Like, okay, like so what? Like I'm still alive and I get my shot. So I'd rather uh, I'd rather get in the UFC even if I freaking fail. Even if I like washed out, that's more important to me than never having an opportunity to see how far I can go. Like the worst thing ever. Is to devote your life to something, like dedicate all of your time, sacrifice, and then never get to see how far you can go in it. Amen. I completely yeah. agree. Well, that's why David has actually convinced me to get back into swimming because I devoted all my life into it and I was forced to quit, but now I'm trying to train for the 2024 Olympic trials. And why not? Because, like, exactly. how much, like, you, you, you spend, like, your whole life sacrificing. And pursuing, yeah. a, pursuing a dream, my dude, like, I, God, I, like, my, 
it, it sucks because like you spend you, like you sacrifice the people you care about have to sacrifice. Yeah, I tell people like fighting is a really selfish sport because like it's not just you that pays, and like I guess any sport's selfish, honestly, because it's not you that has it's to pay. True. It's the people that care about you that are around you. You know, like you're missing an engagement, you can't go yeah. do stuff. There's a you, know, you miss birthdays, important events, everything. Get your times always taken by something. So like yeah. to sacrifice all of that and then never you reach a point to where it's not about like failing it's about never knowing like what your ceiling was and like that's yeah. that's why you know I'll, I walk, tried to walk away a few times and even the people around me are like are you going to be even my son was like what are you going to do though like well are you okay with it and I'm like I'm not really okay with it like it's the worst feeling ever so yeah like you know like you definitely know yeah. Well, did your son watch that fight? Yeah, <laughs> he does. He does. He did. He did watch it. It's funny though because my son, uh, I had my first amateur fight two weeks after he was born, and he was there for that one. So he's his entire life, he's just known me to fight. It's always ever known. Like you know, uh, when I was when he was really young, I didn't have a car and I was training, so I was taking a two hour bus ride with a newborn wow. in a car in a stroller to the gym every day. So always known as me fighting. So. Now he's not even excited. He's like, "Yeah, you did good. Uh, you got hit more than I would like, but uh, you didn't even look bad." Like he's not excited or anything. He's like critiques me now. I'm like, "All right, that's kind of strange, but all right." He, he doesn't care. He's as long as I'm okay and we hang out and play video games. He doesn't actually care. He's like, "Whatever." Is it something you think he wants to do later on? Or oh God, no. He's, he's <laughs> no. He's he. Uh, I try to give him the box and wrestle for it a little bit, and he's like, "Look, man, like he's he's not. It's not for me." No, he doesn't have to be. It's fine. It's just not his thing. And he likes fighting, but he's got his mind. He's he's like me at that age where he's like his head in the clouds. He's a super creative kid. He wants to do other stuff. I'm like, you know what? Don't fight. Pay's not that great, and your brain cells will thank you later. So like, go do something else. Well, after the fight, I know when you spoke to Joe Rogan, you said that Sean Strickland was he yelling at you, <laughs> or so I'm gonna make a, I gotta get a compilation made of like Sean Strickland <laughs> in my corner because Sean Strickland. If you're, there's I have fights to where Sean Strickland is like heckling me. Then he heckles my opponent. Then he's a heck. Like at one point in the fight, he stopped coaching. He stopped cornering me. He started coaching my f- opponent against me. <laughs> like, I'm, just, like yeah, I'm dead serious. <laughs> he started. He started coaching my opponent against me. He's like starts. I'm just like really man. He's just Sean is his own thing. So at one point, Sean's like, "You're fighting like a pussy. Stop!" And I'm like, "You know what? Fine. Maybe you're right." And uh, that's, that's like a time when Joe Rogan's like, "Oh, he's got to do something to get his respect." So I'm like, "You know what?" I've taken, you know, we've we taken enough time. He's slowed down enough. I can start, like, applying myself now. But uh, every fighter's different, man. I'm a guy who, like, I need somebody occasionally on the outside to be like, okay, you're taking too long. Because, like, you, you time's really different, like, in the fight. Like, everything's kind of, everything feels like it's not going as fast as it is. So, like, sometimes you're burning time. You just don't get it. Like, you're just like, you know, it doesn't feel like it's going that fast. So I need somebody to not sugarcoat it. Like, hey, like, don't be a bitch. Like, go finish. Like, okay. And worked out well. And how riled up was Sean Strickland that he wasn't even <laughs> able to fight on the fight card he was supposed to fight because Luke Rockhold had to pull out of the fight because yeah. of the injury? God, he, uh, the, the Luke Rockhold-Sean Strickland beef will forever be one of the funniest Will we ever see them fight? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think they will, and it's fine. But, like, Sean has the biggest hate boner for Luke Rockhold. And it's, it's, a, it's an uncomfortable hate boner. And, like, it's... He gets like messages. They go, he just picks on him. I'm like, bro, this dude's gonna shoot you one day. <laughs> like, Luke Rockhold's probably going to like murder you for just being this dick. But like, 
it's cool though. It worked out for me though. You'd be selfish about it, but I got to have like one of my uh, like best friends and one of my best training partners in the corner with me, and like he knows how I function, so. It was kind of cool to see him freak out, like, yeah, the entire time he's screaming, like, just knock him out. You're better than him. You're better than him. And, like, sometimes you need that reinforcement when you're doing stuff. And he's just like, just finish him. And he lost his shit. So it was great to see. I think, and you feel free to chime in, you don't know more. And from just from me watching from the outside and watching some of your practices and shit, he seems like a really freaking great teammate. And I'm sure he can get under skin of some people who don't like that personality. But overall, deep down inside, it seems like <laughs> his intentions are for the best. And uh, I could see him being a good friend to the people he likes. Bro, deep down inside, he's a really great dude. But it's also covered by layers of just like, I don't even know what to call it. He's He's incredibly abrasive to like a lot of people. But I think it's abrasive if you don't understand that like you just – I. I just don't take anything he says, like, personally. And people are like, society is very, like, sensitive now about things. We're very careful about what we say. He's just a throwback to, like, what we were when, like, we were out as, like, Vikings and, like, mercenaries on a battlefield. He's a throwback to that time. Like, he says what he feels, and, like, he doesn't sugarcoat it. So positive or negative, you know, he just says how he feels. And it rubs people the wrong way because we're used to being a little bit more, like, tactful about things. But at the same time, like, the dude will literally give you the shirt off his back. He'll mock you for it the entire time, but he will actually give the shit off his back. Like he's, if you ever need to like work for a fight or you got something coming up and you need to work, he's the first guy in the room and will be like, I'll do it. This is what we do. Let's go. And he'll be about it, but he's going to go about it in the most abrasive Sean Strickland way possible. So once people, like, people loosen up and learn to not take him as a, like seriously, and like don't take it personally. He's a really fun dude to be around. Like he almost got me killed one time when he took me paddle boarding and like I I don't paddle board I don't do water. Paddle boarding is fun. I am the most like seasick dude ever. Like I don't motion sickness is a thing that just like rocks me. He's like I've never seen someone get like, pad, like motion sick on a paddle board. I'm in like the like the freaking uh, San Diego Bay like dying about to fall off a paddle board <laughs> pass out. I'm like dude I'm gonna die here. But I mean he's just he's a he's a really fun dude man he's a really good dude. People just have to learn to like not take things so personally. Well one of your or I guess the schmo's best interviews, right? Was with Sean Strickland. I'm sure he caught you off guard or no? I would say that's lo- the leading schmo interview of the year. But yeah. you make a cameo. At I the know. End. I Everyone's did like, what see is you that? in and you that. Creep in there after I have a special power to just like show up in the back of things, like it the weird, great. like creepy. Yeah, yeah. Because usually I'm always with David when he does all the interviews and stuff. But I wasn't there with him that day, and then and then or I New York. or New York because I was sick, coughing. I'm okay now though, but it was rough. It sucked. Yeah. I, I yeah, I, I don't get sick that often. She didn't so. have COVID though. No, I, I've got COVID twice. I understand. I've gotten oh. it twice. It's been fucking miserable. Well, I didn't go with you, but then when I rewatched that <laughs> interview, and then when what was he saying to you? Like you remind him of those kids in high school. I know, I, yeah, <laughs> how he hated you because you got laid in high school, probably. Yeah, yeah. I had, like Sasquatch in the background, like kind of like show up, like, fully fade away. Yeah, that was great. And, it, and after that moment, it was all uphill for you. Yeah, right. <laughs> See, that, <laughs> that's so true. Maybe after that was moment. maybe was just small. Yeah, it was just small. Yeah, maybe maybe there's something there. Like, so maybe you're onto something. I don't, know. I don't know, but go back to something you said earlier. You're gonna ride this thing out. You know, you talked about having this window and stuff like that. Thirty-four years, not young or whatever. Like. How do you know how long this thing is going to last? Are you going to ride the wave? Do you have some sort of shelf life in the back of your mind? Or how are you going to take this thing moving forward? Uh, I know that 
in my, I know that I have at least four years in me. Like, I'm lucky. I'm not a guy who had a bunch of knee surgeries or anything like that. I'm really durable. Like, thank, you know, thank the ancestors there. I got really good genetics. I'm really durable. I haven't had any too, I'm not too beat up. So I know I can, like, squeeze out at least four good solid years, like 34, 35, like your best years now. I just want to go these next four years. I just want to get every fight in that I can. Like, I mean, I think I'm like tied right now for the most fights, the most uh, wins in a year right now with uh, I forgot who I'm tied with. But I'm tied with somebody right now. And then are like, they in the UFC? Yeah, it's T T-Rex. Like, what's it? Uh, Terrence oh, McKinney. Terrence McKinney. Yeah. yeah, I'm tied with McKinney right now. He for had the most a wins. crazy injury over in Arizona. He's yeah. he's coming back though. He's coming yeah. back pretty soon. He's uh like. I think he's on the 11th card. Yeah. 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 It's coming so up. I'm tied with him right now for most wins and most finishes. I think Kayla Harrison as well. I think it's a three-way tie. Or I think McKinney may be in front. I don't know. So I'm trying to pass him up, man. I'm trying to get every fight I possibly can. Like, I'm never going to have this opportunity again. So why not just run with it? Like, I'm healthy. I don't, I don't get out of shape. So I'm just trying to take every fight they can give me, man. Like, why not make the money I can and get as far as I can and – have something to tell my kids about or grandkids about, you know, when uh, the time comes. This is your division, middleweight 185, or would you fight a different weight class? I'm, I am naturally a welterweight. Right. So right now I am just masquerading as a middleweight. <laughs> but I'm just like, honestly, I don't know, man. I just stopped one of their, like, most touted prospects. I didn't feel weak. I didn't feel too bad. I mean, I, it's definitely stronger than me. Like, dude's a freaking hoss. But, uh I think we'll spend a little bit of time, like, you know, try to put out, put on some uh, weight, put on some strength and see how I feel. But for me to make 170, man, it's miserable. It's such a bad experience. Like, it's absolutely miserable. Like, like it's I hate it. It's really, like, lowers your quality of life. So I think I may just hang out at 85 for a little bit. Uh, things start going south at 85. We'll uh, scurry away to, middle, uh, to 170. I'm not afraid to be like, right, peace out. I'm gone. But for right now, you know what? Why not? I just beat one of the guys they were, like, really touting. Uh, he beat Imanov. Imanov's like what rank? Like he's gonna be like rank like eleven or some kind. Yeah, of like he's gonna that. take Edmund's yeah. position. Yeah, so I'm like maybe there's something to this. Like maybe I've been killing myself for no reason. I felt good. Fight week was good. Maybe there's something two eighty five. So we'll see. I like it. I like it. But speaking of one seventy, what did you make of the main event? Uh, I I was actually shocked that uh, Colby did as well as he did there. Like he uh. It was closer than I thought it was going to be. I thought Osman was going to blow him out, honestly. I really thought he was. Uh, Colby was tough, man. He's just a, such a tough dude. Like, it's unfortunate, like, to be – it sucks to be Colby Covington because you're the best dude on the planet if Kamaru Usman didn't exist. You're the best 170 in the world if there wasn't Kamaru Usman. Like, right now, there's always – every fighter knows there's one guy who's got your number. And uh, unfortunately for Colby, like, that one guy who has his number happens to be the champ. But, like – it was a hell of a fight, man. I really thought Usman was going to blow through him. And, like, Colby was just like, I'm not going to die. I'm not going to go away. So I was actually really impressed. And Usman just keeps getting better every fight, which is absolutely terrifying. Is Usman the best welterweight of all time? Because everyone's now talked about yeah, GSP, Usman. Nah, like, GSP. I think GSP still has that title. Like, Usman is on his way to, like, you know, being up there. But GSP had a run that was just absolutely insane like, I, I would say Usman's probably the second best welterweight right of all time right now and like you know if he keeps this up and he can, like finish his career out like this then he could, I think he could pass GSP honestly like he's done some crazy stuff but GSP killed everything and everyone for years 
But as yeah. someone who's had 35 pro fights like yourself, like you've seen the evolution of this game. You're living in it right now. Are the fighters better now than they were when you started out? Oh, it's completely different, man. Like I remember MMA before GSP fought Matt Serra. Yeah. And then Matt Serra beat GSP and ruined MMA for like six years because when GSP came back, it was like four years. When GSP came back, he was the wrestle heavy GSP. And then everyone adopted that approach for a long time. I'm like, damn it, Matt Serra, you ruined MMA. <laughs> like, so yeah, Matt Serra killed MMA for like three years. And now you're starting to see uh, it kind of shift, like the, the paradigm shift a little bit to now. There's a shift to where now we went from the Chuck Liddell counter striker to the GSP, like, ground control, to now it's just such a crazy mix of just all well-rounders and then the Dagestanis. So, like, you're either an all-rounder or you're a Dagestani wrestler. So, like, those are the two styles right now. But you just see everything change. Even the Dagestani wrestling style is so much different than, like, the traditional wrestling style that you see. It's so different, man. Like, it's the, the way they approach things, the way they do things is so different. And now you're seeing... Every other fighter starts to like, you know, incorporate those techniques and like their methods of doing stuff and their grappling style. So now, like, we're in the middle of like what comes next is the prototype. The guys coming up now who are 16, 17 in a gym are learning how to grapple like that from the beginning. I remember being an 18 year old kid in the gym, and now I'm looking at like 16 year olds, and I'm like, oh man, this is gonna be really bad. And it's weird when you see a kid who's like 15 or 16, like training. And you're like, that kid's going to be a problem in the future. Then you're like, holy shit. Like, he's going to be a problem in the future. You're like, ooh, thankfully I'll be done by the time it matters. But, like, man, it's 10 years from now, I'm really curious to see, like, the where the caliber of fighter is. Like, it's, it's, it's gotten yeah. – I trained a 10-year-old uh, girl, Sophia Montoya, and, like, she's all, she had her first fight already at 9 years old. Wow. She fought at 9 – it was – Craziest experience ever. So we're out there in uh, Sophia the Bull, and we're out in, uh, I forgot, I think we're in Florida. And she fights her first round, hard first round. So I go in the cage, and like I'm like, hey, how are you feeling? And thinking like she's going to be like, you're nine years old. you got to be freaking out, right? You're fighting. She looks at me like, I love this. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> concerning. I was like, all right, cool. Like, not the answer I thought, but they're getting younger and younger, and they're just bred for it, man. I was just having this conversation the other day, too, but think about what the UFC has done to the sport of mixed martial arts. Like, think about this era and the time we're living in right now. Like, think of professional football, professional baseball and basketball, the inception of it in the early part of the 20th century. We are living right now, this sport, 28 years old, like, while this main sport has become this mainstream sport, which it is now top four in this country, and it's only going to climb uh, in this country and worldwide. It's just rising in popularity. We've been alive to see an yeah. entire sport kind of come into its own, right? and it's only growing now. It's only getting better. How long did it take the NFL to get like non leather helmets into right. like something serious? But we've watched the evolution of like no gloves to like gloves to the current glove to like shoes shoes to everything yeah. yeah like everything else the rule change remember like that first like the first like two ufcs the guy won via like constant nut like elbows to the nuts yes i'm and, like what and the fucking yeah. headbutts too? yeah like oh my and like the, i remember it was ufc one the italian guy fought the sumo guy there's a french kickboxer with the sumo guy and he like kicked him like the guy was down he kicked him in the face and he embedded his teeth in the guy's foot and now just to see like where it started to where it is and like it's kind of crazy to see in real time. So now you're like where do we end up in 10 years? Like 
Yeah, it was completely barbaric into a sport, yeah. which obviously at times can be barbaric, especially when you launch a fight like uh, what Gaethje and Chandler did to each other. Those guys would have fought oh to the gosh. death yeah, had there been no referee. It's yeah. the first time ever Incredible. I've seen a fight that good. And people were like, you know what? I'm glad with three rounds. Like, I don't want to see more. That was yeah. perfect. When the fans are like, thank you, we don't need more. <laughs> like that is, That's just the right amount. Like, that's a crazy thing because like, nobody wanted to see five rounds. We're all like, that's enough. Like, thank you. You all are legends. No more, please. Go to a hospital. Yeah. That division, <laughs> too, is, is crazy. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be a 55 or screw that. Like, that's probably the worst division to exist right now. Like, yeah. Yeah, and 170 when you're talking about, like, Hamzat. 170. That, so, God, that dude, <laughs> training with, I've trained with that guy for a while. That dude, I don't understand how he makes 170, first of all. He is massive. Like that—that that is a large human, and like I'm like, okay, he feels like 85, but he made 70 again. I'm like, what? What science is behind this? He is a massive dude. He's super strong. I do not understand like how he exists as a person. I am incredible. I, I want—I <laughs> want answers. Like it is insane. It's mind-boggling. Zamzat and Sean Strickland are two strongest people. Like. My size, like just like, but the two strongest dudes will run into. I'm like, why are you this strong? Like, it, like watching those two grapple is insane. I'm just like, those two grapple. Yeah, it's insane. I want to. What did yeah. that look like? Uh, they're just <laughs> like, like you ever see like two cats just fight? Yeah, and they're just going. It, it's it's insane, man. Like they're just they're two dudes who are like really athletic and don't quit. And they're both they both have that mentality to where like they don't quit. And Strickland, someone who's fought at 170 and then moved up to 185, Hamzat's the type of guy that does both 170 and 185, but I think right now he's just focusing on fighting at 170. I don't know why, though, man. Like, I think, honestly, 85 is a much better path to a belt for him. Like, I think 85 is a much better... He's so strong. He's had no issue at 85. Like, you know, if, I'm going to assume being that big, his life sucks getting to 70. He was uh, he wasn't around for that camp. I didn't see him at seventy, but like I'm assuming it sucks. I'm he's way bigger than me, and I struggle to get down. There's no way he's getting down easily. Like, I think eighty five is a way easier path to a belt. Yeah. So Sean Strickland wants to be on the Anaheim card, but that's likely not going to happen. He wants to fight uh, Jack Hermanson, who I think has also worked a lot with Hamzat as well. Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure they work together a lot, but like. Uh... And why is the end of the going to happen? When is that? Well, that's January. January. Maybe it's going to happen. Uh, Maybe February. Because I, I don't know. Is it too late to add him to the card? Do you want to keep him to the, the next fight book? card? Is the card too full? Is it booked? Know. Have they booked that card yet? Who's headlining that? That's Francis Ngannou, who I'm going to ask you about next, against Cyril Gunn. And then Brandon Moreno and uh, Figueredo, too. Or three. three. Yeah. Damn. Mm. That's the main and co-main. Two belts on the line. That, ew, yeah, that's... I don't know. That's weird. I didn't, I didn't think about that at all. I didn't know that was the uh, the lineup. That's pretty stacked already. It's gonna be it's gonna be a good card. Uh, wanted to ask you though too, because Francis Ngannou, obviously extreme couture. I'm not sure if you saw it too. Yeah. He's walking in the hallway. UFC <laughs> captured this because I saw Cyril because it he's was in like a WWE corner. promo. It was yeah. so I was so awkward. <laughs> I watched that. I was like, that is the most uncomfortable non-exchange I've ever seen. To where like. Do you ever see something is so like awkward, it's so cringy? These for all around, you're like, bro, I'm I'm uncomfortable watching it, and like, man, like Cyril, cast off the Cyril. He took like a champ. He's just like, all right, like that's fine. But Francis just walks by. That's the one dude you don't want like cold shouldering oh. you. I'm like, 
come on, bro. Like, don't do that. No, I love everyone there. And, like, it was so funny. Just so you got this coach right next to him. Then you got the UFC PR guy, uh, Christoph, right there. So Francis stops, or Markel, his manager, was walking with him. Markel stopped, gave Christoph a hug, who's standing next to Fra- uh, uh, Cyril's coach. And Cyril's standing there. And then just proceeded to walk completely forward. That, I was like, oof. Like, that was... That's cool. <laughs> that was it. That was like one of the coldest things I've ever seen someone do on camera. And I was like, "All right, Francis." Like, which is funny because he's the nicest, warmest dude. You yeah. ever like? He's, he's the nicest so nice. dude ever. Yeah. Like, it's really weird to see like Francis be like that's that's scary man because like he's the nicest, most like well, you see him, hey, hello, Kurt. He's the nicest dude ever, and to see him like blank you out, I'm like, bro, that's concerning. I'm like, he, I don't want to see an angry Francis. <laughs> this this fight is. Yeah. I, I'm so excited for this fight because you're talking about we're keep talking about training partners. Those two are training partners, so they know each other, and that's Francis's former coach as well. I mean, the storylines here are just automatically set up, and they both know the task at hand. I think he's just dialed in, laser focused, and let's get January through before we can be friends again. And that's the thing, man. Like you've seen, like how much Francis improves, like every fight, yeah. him being focused, and now he's like laser focused. I'm just like. The improvements are crazy, but now he's like dialed in. Like you're not gonna make a fool of me, and I'm like, bro, that's a scary. That's a scary Francis Ngannou. Like, he's already freaking a nightmare, but now like he's, you've never seen him act like that, and I'm like, that is concerning. Is he is he back at every practice right now? Is like I know, training camp probably hasn't officially started yet, but is he back training kind of like full time in the gym right now? Well, I missed all last week, so I don't know if he was in or not because I was That's in. That's true. New you York, were in New York, so yeah. but he's a uh, that dude's him. Mean, he's super consistent. Plus, like now he has like you know champ now, so you have like big guys come in for him. So he kind of has like a separate practice. He'll still do a team practice, but he's like two practices every day or whatever he does. But I haven't seen him yet, but, like, my God, like, it's just, it's really insane to see somebody that big and, like, who improves that much. Now they're like, I'm, I'm serious. It's, it's rough. Yeah, I mean, when he was able to stuff Stipe's takedown in that, that yeah. second fight, you know, and, and even took the back there, I'm like, holy shit. So yeah. when he stuffed that first takedown, like, I told people, you could feel the collective, like, buttholes of the world, like, ooh, like, tighten, like, ooh, this is ugly. And, like, it happened, and, like, I felt bad for Stipe for a second. I was like, oh, no. Like, because I'm looking cheering for France at the same time. I'm like, oh, like, is there a plan B? And there's not a good plan B. I'm like, oh, no. Because we all know how this ends. It's like watch, like, you know, the horror movie, but you know <laughs> how it ends already. And you're just like, oh, no, you're not going to make it, are you? And but, he did not. But you got to give him the trilogy fight. You gave it to DC. He's the consensus greatest heavyweight, at least in UFC history, if not all time, because you got people talking about Fedor and whatnot. Why don't you give Stipe the rem- the, the trilogy fight? I don't know why everybody like, hates Stipe. I don't know what he did. I guess I, I think he may have been. He may, uh, it kind of feels like he was a curse of like being the nice guy to where, like, you know, there's no Stipe drama. He's just a nice dude. He's like, all yeah. right, yeah, he's a nice dude, he's professional. And, like, it's what you want as a fighter. You want what you want your fighter to be. But on the flip side, like, you know, I don't think he's, like, bringing in the attention that they like, like, giant scary Francis or your, uh, you know, more outspoken guys. Stipe's just a regular dude, which is, like, really cool. But, you know, I don't think he's uh, the promotional powerhouse they want. Well, he's not, the, he's not even technically a full-time fighter because he's a firefighter, <laughs> yeah. too. 
how messed up is that? Like people out here getting smashed by a fireman. You're like, yeah, like I do this part time. And you're like, huh? People like having all these crazy camps, training, living in the gym. He's like, yeah, man, did a six hour shift and went and hit mitts. And like this dude just beating you up. That's got to be disheartening. And then isn't uh, Kyle Dawkins his brother? Uh, Chris Dawkins Chris fighting Derek. He's a police officer. You got the cop, you got the firefighter. Right? Hats off to them, man, because, like... Heavyweights. Yeah, right? It's the the joy of the heavyweight division. Being a heavyweight has its own set of rules, I feel like. Like, you can... Your career lasts longer. There's, like, less you have to do. It's it's really... It has its own set of rules. It's a privilege of being a heavyweight. Barely any weight cut. Yeah, Yeah, right? I I mean, that's why I was so impressed with Chris Barnett uh, doing the front flip (laughs) and the dancing at the other night. He's a good dancer. Yeah, I was like, all right. That's... Every, that is my new favorite fighter is Chris Barnett. <laughs> I was like, I will watch any, anything you do. I will officially watch like for shits and giggles. That dude is just, oh, he's he is out there. That's my new favorite fighter is Chris Barnett. He's the man. And his post-fight speech was very classy. He's just a great. Yeah. Oh, he, he gave uh, John Vellante. Yeah, John Villa the mic. He's just he's a good dude. Like, and it's yeah. I'm happy to see that as well because I know he's been around. I've known, like, I followed him for a while. You know that you know. He's been around for a long time, and like he's waited for those shots a long time. It took him a long time to get here too, so it's cool to see him get that win at Madison Square Garden. He, he he deserved that 50k. Like I'm happy he got it. So aside from your fight, what was your favorite fight to watch from UFC 268? Uncomfortably, Gaethje versus Chandler. Like that first I watched round. It, oh it was gosh. very. It was it was one of those fights where I'm like, this is great. At the same time, I was like, I really wish this would stop, because <laughs> like they're. Like Gaethje's one of the just the, like one of the like my favorite fighters, just the way he is. But I also absolutely love Michael Chandler. Michael Chandler is like the most down to earth, good dude. Everything he says is a motivational speech. Like I'm just like yeah. he's listening to Michael Chandler talk about anything on repeat, and you'd be like, you know what? I can change my life. He's talking about barbecue sauce. You're like I can't change my life with barbecue sauce, Michael Chandler. So he's just a walking motivational speech. So like to watch them go at it like that, it was. It sucks to see one of them lose, but I'm like, I mean, you didn't lose any respect. The fans, fighters, and company are all like, bro, there's, you didn't lose any standing in that. They just one of the greatest fights I've ever seen. Definitely. And it's like, what do you do from here for Michael Chandler? Because Gaethje, I think you have to give him the title shot next for the winner of Poirier Oliveira. I think he's earned that, but what do you do if you're Chandler? I mean, honestly, if Gaethje's the number one contender, then Chandler's number two. Like, it's just one of those things. So what like, about Benil Dariush? Yeah, oh, number three. He's like on like a seven fight win streak. <laughs> Everyone forgets about him. <laughs> I keep bringing it all. I'm friends with Benil. <laughs> Shows like, oh, I forgot. I was like, oh yeah, he never did forget about Dariush. Yeah. And he's a, also another great dude who just deserves yeah. a shot. Yeah. So. I mean, well, there. Like, I think at the top five, that's just especially at 55 because how crazy it is. Like you cut off at the top five, and they're gonna have to fight it out, and they'll have one guy rotating through. But like, yeah. So the top five and fifty-five is just absolutely insane. It's a murderer's row. So, and then there's Islam too. That, yeah. That's also in what, the top what, five, I believe. Is he I, top five now? I think he's five, right? He was five before the before he fought Dan Hooker. Before, so he's so he didn't he didn't go up. He went down. So, well, honestly, like there you go. Like those five need to fight it out, and you know why See what just yeah like what else do you do with them like you can't i saw chandler calling for conor mcgregor yeah i think he beats the brakes off of conor mcgregor i don't think conor's gonna take that fight i don't think conor likes well, i think anymore. conor re or he tweeted him back he said you know one day down the road but yeah. i think 
I think obviously he would fight Poirier for the fourth time before that. And I still think that Nate Diaz trilogy, even though Nate's got one fight left yeah, in the deal, what are they? I can see do Nate waiting Nate? waiting to have his last fight with Conor McGregor so he gets that trilogy. That'll happen in like twenty twenty four. Like I'm not gonna <laughs> wait for that. It's like oh my god. It's... But you just said you don't think Conor. I don't think he wants to fight. So. Marvin Hagler, the boxer, one of the greatest boxers of all time, said it the best. It's hard to get up in the morning. I get up at 4 a.m. when you're sleeping on silk sheets. And what he means by that is once you get enough, like once you've earned enough and you have enough, the fire starts to die. And I think a lot of people have seen that fire in Connor, like comes and goes. Like, when he st- think about when he started, man, his attitude when he started versus the moment they gave him money. And he's just like... What does he have to fight for, man? Like, he's got everything he could possibly want. He already has a legacy. Like, honestly, like, you know, half-assing it only hurts his legacy. He's got a legacy. His Nobody in his family will have to work ever again. Like, how do you make yourself go to the gym and sweat and bleed and suffer when, like, bro, my I, I, I made it. Like, you did it. Like, I don't think... It's just got to be a pride thing over anything at yeah. this point. Relevance, like every yeah. hardest thing about like being an athlete, especially being in the limelight, whatever, is once the attention goes away, you don't want to give it up. Like it's the the need for relevance. That's exactly what I feel like it is too. It's like he's seeing all this go by, but even without him competing inside the octagon, he's by far the most popular fighter that's ever existed in mixed martial arts like he's more important to mma than a floyd mayweather is to boxing he's i mean he's the figurehead of the sport like you know for better or worse it's kind of a great day that's the guy they they blew up they they made him into yeah. that and uh you know there's a fortunate side effect of like how long does he have to do it because he's got everything you could possibly want and like yeah we, we all want to be in the limelight we all want attention but that's not that can't be your only motivation man because like when it comes down to it when you're getting hit when you're struggling in that fight we're in that last round and you're dead tired you're not fighting for a check you're like i can go make half my check or whatever he's making he's like i've got millions in the bank i don't have to be this like why am i getting beat up for and like that's where you see guys start to stumble yeah no it's it's very very true it's very true I i don't think he wants to fight anymore i think he likes to fight but i don't think he's I think Conor McGregor can still fight. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think he's the fighter that he was. Cause like, it's hard to be a fighter without any hunger. Yeah. Like when you, when you made it, like what do you do from there? You hang on, you defend it for a while, then you're like, all right, I'm done. So what else can we cover to let the audience know about you, man? Because uh, I just want to keep seeing you be active, make a name for yourself. Yeah, we're very You've happy paid your for dues. you. It's it's been a wild ride, man. Thank you. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Like, I'm just, so I'm gonna tell you guys something seriously. I'm like. Sean will tell you because he makes fun of me all the time. I'm like the least exciting fighter life ever. I train, I go home, I play way too many video games. Which like, kind of video games? I am a right. I just actually got into PC. I just got PC. I was a, always a PlayStation guy, but I am a uh, range of like shooters, MMOs, everything like uh, like MOBAs. Like Sean's like you don't even play good stuff. Like he's like I don't want to play. I don't want to be a wizard. I want to shoot people. I'm like, bro, I am the biggest nerd who's ever lived. Like, I'm a proud nerd. I've always been a nerd. I just have to be a nerd who can fight people. But, like, I am that guy. So, like, it's – I don't do anything, man. Like, I don't really drink. I don't smoke. I don't, like, do stuff. I don't party. I just train and, like, play games. Like, my entire life has been getting here. So that's all I do, man. Like, outside of that, like, me and my son will play games for, like, six hours on the weekends. 
until like one of us is like, I'm getting a headache. We gotta stop. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we play. So we, we play. I play a lot with my son a lot, and uh, that's about it, man. Like, yeah, I'm trying to spend time with him or just hang out or train. That's it. Well, good. Uh, where can the audience find more of you? Uh, yeah, you guys can follow me on Twitter at ActionMan513, and this is going to be really confusing, but on Instagram as well, it's King of Combat 513 They're making me change that because I guess the UFC has forcibly decided, like, we're going to stick with the Action Man. So I didn't know what they were going to announce me as. I have, like, seven nicknames, so they picked Action Man. So oh, I guess so they picked it, not it was, you. So that I've had, like, it, I have a rotating, like, selection of nicknames that we go through. Well, the Action Man is my original one, so one I've had the longest. Since how'd, I was, like, you, how'd you get that one? <laughs> Uh, completely non-fighting related. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. I was 16 at a girl's house, and my <laughs> friends were supposed to be, like, watching for her parents. And they kind of didn't watch, so her parents come home, and I have a choice to, like, get caught or jump out of a second-story window. So I decided that, thinking 16 and me being an idiot, there's a tree there. I'm like, what I can do is jump out, grab the tree branch... <laughs> And in my head, I thought I'd jump. I'd swing from, like, branch to branch. So I got down, get the tree, and go down. Jumped out, grabbed that first branch, snapped. Like, completely snapped. So now I'm tumbling down tree branches, like, hitting every branch, like, slam to the tree, hit the ground, like, shatter my ankle. But I hit, like, a front roll and, like, come up running to the car as they're, like, family screaming in the background. Like, I'll get back here. So I ran to the car. There used to be a TV show when we were young called Action Man. Uh, so my, my buddy was like, oh, the goddamn action man over here, like, tried to, like, plan this out, failed miserably, but still made it look cool. So at 16, I became the action man. I've had that name since I was 16 years old. I love that That's story. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think of that. I think of Demolition Man. Yeah, action, like, action man, the greatest hero of them all, action man. So, like, yeah, that's uh, – if you guys haven't seen it, Google uh, – it's like, like 2001 Action Man cartoon. It was on Fox, and uh, you'll you'll see it's the great, it's the most stupid cartoon ever. But that's what came up at the time where I didn't die from that. So I've been Action Man since I was 16. Well, the UFC picked the right nickname. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good, it's a good, it's, it's the oldest one. Yeah, so I guess I will. Ch- it's a King of Combat 513 on Instagram. I will change it back to Action Man soon, though. So it'll all be uniform. So watch this podcast before we change it. That's how we do that. <laughs> yeah. All right. I don't even think we did an introduction for this. What episode number is this? 83? Yep. 83. Oh, we're getting close to 100. All right. Yeah, we're getting close getting to the century there. mark. We appreciate you coming on, especially, what, two days after the big victory? Yeah, it's been, yeah. A, it's been a wild weekend, but uh, <laughs> I'm glad to be here. It's fun to talk about it. I'm happy to be here because the only other option was I lost, and then I probably wouldn't be here. So, you know what? Everything went smooth. So, what's yeah. Hey, that's how life goes. Hey, you gotta roll with it. You know, when you uh, you strike gold, you gotta you strike uh, strike oil. You gotta roll with it. So why not? Love that mindset. Episode eighty three of the Schmozone podcast with we... Chris Curtis. Chris Curtis. Because you didn't man. do the intro. So. Wow, I didn't even say Chris Curtis, the action man. All right. Wow, we just went right into it. Hello. <laughs> All right, we are out. <laughs>